You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, smart down, and it's called for another foul. Check, Taco. Come on. Taco's, Taco. Taco's having some fun here. We are back with another episode of From the Rafter. Sam and I are here on Saturday, September 4th. Uh, we got a nice little influx of Celtics news to talk about. I mean, we'll, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, Celtics traded Chris Dunn, Carson Edwards, and a 2026 second-round pick for Juancho Hernan Gomez uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. He played for the Timberwolves last year, Nuggets before that. Uh, was just traded to the Grizzlies, didn't spend much time there. Same thing for Chris Dunn and the Celtics, but... Um, I'm a big fan of this trade. I'd love to know your thoughts, and we can get into it a little bit. I'm pumped. I'm happy Carson Edwards is gone. That's a roster spot that they, you know, they were taking up with his guaranteed deal for these last couple of years. This would have been year three of him, and we all knew it wasn't working out from year one. So it's two years where he's been on the roster where they could add somebody that's going to contribute more. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's happy he's gone. I'm happy he's gone. Uh, Chris Dunn's a bummer just because of the local angle on that, that he was from playing in Providence and people are excited about that. He's going to get dealt. He's a good defender. So that was something he could have brought to the table, but it's nice to have somebody that can stretch the floor who throughout his career has been a solid shooter, solid scorer. Last year was a down year with Minnesota. As uh, you know, we've mentioned plenty of times on this show. You mentioned this deal many times when we were in the, the summer days of, throwing shit at the wall, right? Yeah. Big, big Wancho guy. Nailed it! A few times. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. But yeah, it, it's, it's pretty great, man. Uh, not, a, not a guaranteed deal for next year either. Mm-hmm. So, no complaints. Yeah, like you said, down year shooting in Minnesota last year shot 32.7%, but uh, is a 35.1% uh, career three-point shooter, which is pretty good. And that's highlighted by... Uh, a 14-game stint with the Timberwolves in the 2019-20 season. Uh, he was traded from Denver to Minnesota at the deadline. I'm pretty sure it was a part of a uh, Robert Covington three-team tra- trade. You know that th- there was a massive one uh, going on in March of 2020. But um, he played 14 games, started all 14 games, played around 30 minutes a night, uh, took five threes a game, and made 42% of them. So I'm not saying he's going to get that sort of production and run in Boston, but if he can shoot up around 38%, that's a great, like you said, stretch for uh, to play. Do you think he'll start, or do you think he's going to be more of a bench guy? I, I don't see him having a pathway to starting, but no I way. No, I'm just saying it's possible. I think they like running Tatum at the four. I agree. I don't think he has a spot there. I think he's a great bench piece, though, because I don't think they had a stretch for other than that, and now they can get rid of Jabari Parker. I've seen some mixed feelings on Jabari, though. Do you think they'll get rid of Jabari or no? I don't think they have a need for him now that they have Hernan Gomez. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. But I, I, I have seen some people say if they were to waive Jabari, they would have done it before he had more guaranteed because there, there are two deadlines on his deal. He's non-guaranteed uh, up till the start of next season for his full contract, but he did uh, move up from, I think it was around like a hundred thousand to a million in guaranteed money uh, at a certain deadline in August. So, so some people That's are, right. yeah, that you got like hundred grand. Yeah. Some they like don't that. care. They, they might not have known they were going to do this deal. I mean, there, yeah. there are reasons why they, I mean, before yesterday, he was a good backup option at the four. He had a good playoffs. He was impressive against Brooklyn. 
he made an impact in at least game one, from what I remember. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember the other games as much, but I remember him like killing it in the second quarter of game one. He was like a huge part of like a 10-0 Celtics run. Might have scored nine straight, if I remember right. That could be wrong, <laughs> if you're listening. And it sounds stupid, it might be. Um, but now they've got somebody that fits better than him. That's a mm-hmm. good three-point shooter. Jabari Parker is not. It fits, I agree. it fits the more modern game where you try and space the floor as much as you possibly can to make drives easier for your best players. I mean, it, it makes more sense. Maybe they are going to bring in somebody else. I know you said you like James Ennis. You like Avery Bradley. I Actually, I don't know if you said Avery Bradley, but so, people have been throwing that around. Obviously, the, the green glass is people like myself are saying Isaiah Thomas would be perfect. I, I think if they don't bring him back, they're going to get cursed. I don't think they should bring him back. Whether you think they should or not, I, I that's not the question. I feel like they're going to like I feel like you're going to get cursed, which isn't Why? it's like a superstition thing because it's it, you did the wrong thing. It's like when the Red Sox traded I, Babe Ruth for I some don't think signing reason, him like, and then they didn't win a title for 86 years. I mean, I it, that's it, these so, are things so much that are, different. That is so much different. Listen, I also think, I mean, obviously that's a superstition thing, but you've got people around the league that see it as a problem, what they did. Whether it was a problem or not at the time is a different story. I personally don't think it was. Like, The only thing they really didn't do right, and this is according to him straight from his mouth, is that he really didn't know how serious his injury was. It wasn't made known to him. But he didn't say trading him was like the problem. The thing that the problem is, is you've got people like Anthony Davis's dad complaining about that, saying they don't want their kid playing for the Celtics. And obviously it's his dad, but I mean, there are players that think that way too, I'd imagine. Anthony Davis is a clown. I think he's a clown too. I'm with you. But that's a thing that they said publicly that the press picked up. People hear that and they're like, oh, maybe he's right. You know, maybe I shouldn't sign with the Celtics. So I think... You might have to write the ship. I don't think this last roster spot's really going to matter that much. It could, and it's, it's a casual thing to say that it's not going to matter because you can bring in either of those guys we I threw out earlier in this little ramble that you you guys liked in the uh, pre-gamers chat, mm-hmm. and they could make a difference for you. So it, it's it's completely up in the air. I just think that you don't need. I understand through the green glasses. Like, obviously, bringing Isaiah Thomas back is great. I only, I don't think you'll get cursed. I do think it would. Suck it's a, a superstition lot thing. I don't think it's. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much I I'm just saying, it all, I but. think it'll be a lot worse if he doesn't get another job. Cause I think he is in contention for other jobs around oh, the league, is. right? And, and, and at that point, I don't think it matters as much that he's not with the Celtics because the Celtics very clearly don't need guards, in my opinion, right now, right? Like, he, he would have no like pathway to getting. Any minutes and Richardson and Pritchard and Brown Schroeder Schroeder. Yeah, it's the big one. I forgot. He so, just yeah. has no pathway for minutes. You're right. Like zero. I think if you're going to. You know, if you want to bring somebody in to just sit on the bench like Carson Edwards, like who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like when when, when yeah, I, think but I don't think spot, he'll want to do that. I don't think he wants to do that. We already mentioned there is no spot right now. Javari Parker kind of has it. They can still get rid of yeah. him for less money, but. I mean, there's no point. You you have to do what's best for the team. I think I don't think Isaiah would want that. I think he if they said, you know, we'll bring you back to Boston because you love it, but you're not going to play. I think he'd say no. 
I, I just don't think he that's what he wants to do. I think he wants to make a I legitimate NBA a comeback. Yeah, but I don't think he'd do that and just sit on the bench. I think he wants to go somewhere that he can play, and I think he can play on certain teams around the league. I think Dallas is probably a really good fit for him, honestly. If he gets to play for another team, then you're right. But he's not playing for any teams right now. Nobody signed him. The beginning of free he's agency got a, workout, a month ago. He's had a couple. Had workouts. You know, we heard Celtics Dallas could be an option. Recently. We heard he's going to get picked up, and he hasn't. And this has mm-hmm. been going on. Yeah, I know. It's brutal. I just don't think there's a ton of roster spots around around the league. There's not. Um, yeah, especially for players like him. And I'm not bashing on Isaiah Thomas, but if, if you're going to fill the 15th roster spot, you want either a veteran that's proven he can play in recent years or a young guy you can take a chance on. And he's neither of those, really. He, he's a, a veteran you have to take a chance on, which is the, just the worst mix of those two statements. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I'm sure we'll see with Isaiah um wrapping up the Juancho trade though you're happy with it though like you think it's it's a w of trade from brad fine they're gonna use him mm-hmm. absolutely fine there's no problem with that <laughs> i do think that don and edwards are gonna probably get end up getting cut in memphis though both of them that's crazy that Dunn was like a top five pick and people yeah, really yeah, yeah. people really wanted the celtics to pick him over jalen brown and they considered it too providence but... Yeah, they, they liked him a lot. But, yeah, the the Grizzlies just have, like, too many people on the roster as it is. Like, let me count this real quick. One, two, oh, shoot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, not including Dunn and Carson Edwards. So that's 19 if you include the two they just traded for. So they, they just can't keep them. And I think they'll waive Daniel Oturu. That's the rumor. But even past that, like, it's just they don't have players that they can waive. So I don't think any of either of them are going to end up playing a game for the Grizzlies. And at that point, I don't know if either of them. I, I mean, done maybe, but I don't think Carson has a Go back to pick up. Listen to the last one we did where I, you know, we went around and said Carson. I said Carson Edwards could play on certain teams. Yeah, and I disagree. But we, we can move past that. We can move past that. So um, the next thing. Uh, you kind of touched on this briefly, saying, oh, the last player on the roster doesn't matter. I, I would argue Which a two-way spot is slightly different. Yeah, I would argue a two-way spot is slightly different than that because they can go to the G League, you know, they can get some time there, they can improve. And there have been some, you know, two-way success stories uh, in recent years, right? So it's not like two-way players are completely useless. They're not going to turn into superstars, but they can turn into valuable rotation players. I'll, I'll read you a few. Uh, Robinson was a two-way player. Lou Dort was a two-way player. Chris Boucher, Monte Morris, Alex Caruso, Tory Craig, Shake Milton. So there, there are examples of two-way players who can, you know, crack the rotation eventually. It's not going to take one year. Celtics already have Sam Hauser, who's a solid option. Like I think he can be a good shooter eventually. Mm-hmm. I think he can be a good shooter, but they have one spot left. Now I have some names here. I'm not going to promise you you'll know any of them, but Probably I'll give not. you a player type. But before I get into the actual players, what sort of you know, archetype, would you like them to add in a two-way spot? Does it not matter to you? Do you to me, I you almost know, feel like it's... Guard, it, wing, center. If you go down your list of guys, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Duncan Robinson is a standout. They have Hauser, who's a shooter type. To me, I mm-hmm. feel like offensive players are more likely to develop than defensive players. Okay. I think, okay. I think uh, shooters are your best option because... They need to improve the least amount of things to be elite. 
Uh, at least amount of categories, I should say. Playable. Of their... uh, at least they have to improve the least amount of things to get minutes, I think. is That's what I, to it. contribute to your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, look at Duncan Robinson. He runs around and shoots, and that's all he does. And he's getting paid $20 million, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. he's makes an yeah. impact. You know. I put out a tweet the other day that a lot of people got mad at. Uh, it was my bold take of the season. I said that Duncan Robinson's going to average 20. People got very mad at Oh, him. I remember seeing that. <laughs> anyways it's a, continue, a team continue. though i don't know if they i, don't I mean know if it's a Celtics podcast so i won't go to average that much i won't go in depth here but since this is a Celtics podcast but my argument basically was jimmy butler's not a score first guy right he's he not. can do it but like at the heart of things he's not kyle lowry's not a score first guy he's a pass first guy he uh, i would argue he can score guy. kyle lowry he's he's more of a scorer than uh playmaker i think no not a chance in that toronto series he was carrying that team on his fucking back that's different that's different and jimmy butler carried his team on the back in the finals you know what i'm saying like they can be scorers but at the heart of things in the regular season they're not score first guys kyle lowry has an average 20 in five years right he averaged 17 last year 19 he was right under it in their championship year uh, seven point three, seven point five, eight, yeah, eight points. And in You're their more championship right than year, I, am. I know less than you do about non-Celtics stuff. <laughs> and but when I the Raptors, mean, when the Raptors won the championship, of, but you're talking about regular season, so you're probably right. You know, and when the Raptors won the championship, he averaged eight point seven assists that season. So on good right. teams, Kyle Lowry will look to pass. That's my point. Um, past that, Bam Adebayo is not a score first guy, right? Clearly not. Like, he can be, and I think a lot of Heat fans want him to be this year, but he's not. Tyler Hero is, but he's not going to start. He's not going to be in their starting lineup. So, out of all those players in the starting lineup, who do you want to score? Like, look at how many sets they run for Duncan Robinson. Think of how many more open shots he's going to get this year because he has actual spacing around him. Do you know if Duncan Robinson, if you took away his three-point attempts and makes, the Heat go from the 19th best team in three-point percentage to 28th in yeah, three-point percentage? Exactly. Him. So now that they have more spacing around him, he'll get more shots. He has two elite playmakers around him, two of the best in the game. He has Bam Adebayo in the paint that he can facilitate to back and forth. It's just everything's right for Duncan Robinson to have a breakout season this year. I, I think my to just be devil's advocate, if they want yep. to be successful as a team, I don't know if that's what the team is going to want in terms of who's getting the shots. Yes. It's more of an efficient shot to take in the terms of bang for your buck, like especially him. But Miami really put it together. They were really bad at the beginning of the last season. They put it together when Jimmy Butler started playing better offensively. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's a big key to their success, even though he's not necessarily always going to be the number one scorer. He probably should be. He's got a good mid-range game. He's got a good drive game. He's just not going to shoot threes on you. And I'm not saying Duncan Robinson's going to average 27. I'm saying he averages like 20, 20. point something points. Yeah, exactly. It's fair. 20. Plus the game today's different where the scoring is up. So more guys are going to have inflate. Not yeah. uh, inflated stats is the wrong thing, but they're going to have bigger numbers. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. More guys anyways. probably average 20 today than they did 10 years ago. Ever. Yeah, for real. Um, anyways, Ever. we can move past the heat talk. Uh, this is Celtics podcast. I'll, I'll calm down about the heat, but I do have some two way options to run by. You say offense is more important. I think I have an okay mix. I, I have a bunch of defensive minded guys. I'm not going to you know, say I don't, but all of them have shown potential on offense. Right. And you might know some of the names, a couple. Um, I'll start with Eve Pons. I don't, I really don't know how to say his name. Uh, Tennessee alum, 
So Grant, he's got the connection there. Um, he is built like an absolute truck. Beautiful three-point shot. Uh, he shot around 42% in the summer league from three. Uh, he's on an exhibit 10 deal with the Grizzlies right now, but like I just told you earlier, they don't exactly they have, have roster too spots. Many people so. on their team. They could sign him to a two-way, but if they don't, I think the Celtics could take a look at him. Um, six foot seven, five. He, he's like a standard height for a small forward. Big, huge, strong guy. Uh, great scrappy defender can shoot the ball. I think he'd be a good option. I, I don't know if you have any commentary on it, but well, I don't know from what you've know told me, and not knowing anything about this, mm-hmm. Eve Potts. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's obviously he sounds like he's a shooter, which is a good thing. Right, forty-two yeah. percent from three is great. In summer league, yeah, he struggled in college a bit, but he brought it up in the summer league and at times. So, um, and then if he's Super a good defender, athlete. you get you get Super two athlete. different tools that you can use. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if he's an athlete, that's also helpful. Like there are things you can build on here. I think like two ways. The ideal two-way guy to me, at least, send you a picture in the chat. I'll, I'll let you look at him. That's him on the right. Big, him on the right. big dude. Big dude. Yeah. Okay. So I actually like that. I like the sending of the <laughs> pictures. I like that. Will that, that come you, up kid. if uh you know if you watch the video? Will you will they be able to see that? I don't think that? so. I'll, I'll I'll put a picture on the screen right now so you guys can see who Eve Pons is. I'll put a picture on the screen. <laughs> but, but yeah, continue. I think of like Jay Crowder types, and you know, Jay Crowder is a name that we all know because he played for the Celtics. And you know, if you're an NBA fan like Jack, you know he's been to the finals. Quite a bit recently. He's always on. He finds himself on a good team. He's an important type player. And that being said, developing somebody that fits that important role is a good good way to use that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like Pons. Another Tennessee guy is actually my secondary option, which is ironic. Played with uh, Grant Williams at Tennessee, so they know each other. They are friends. Did a jersey swap with Grant, I think, last season or the season before. His name is Admiral Schofield. Sent you a picture in the chat. Another that, super strong. Yeah. He's a big, center, strong, right? big guy. No, he's six foot five. That's it? <laughs> yeah, he's six five. Why the he's hell huge. do I think he was huge? Well, he's huge, huge. That's probably why. Mm-hmm. He's a big dude. Yep. Um, he was the first pick in the G League draft. I remember when they did the G League bubble, they did drafts. He was number one overall. So it doesn't mean too much, but he does have some potential. What system was um, he in? Was he. Like what was team he, did he play for? Yeah, like because he got drafted in the G League. Like what system? He played with the Swarm, the Hornets G League team. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And he, he played for the Wizards last season. Uh, the Wizards traded for him on draft night, signed him to a three-year deal, traded him to the Thunder, Thunder waved him. So he, he has had some NBA experience. Uh, that is him. The biggest thing to note with Admiral Schofield, uh, it hasn't translated well to the NBA yet, but he hasn't gotten a big chance. In college... In his sophomore, junior, and senior seasons, he shot 39%, 39.5%, and 42% from three uh, on high volume, might I add, on five attempts a game in two of those years. So he is a shooter, good defender. I think in the right system, he could do, be developed well. And obviously, as you see, he's he's not a small dude either. So it could be a uh, pretty good guy to have at the wing. Uh, any thoughts there? You said you'd heard of, you've heard of him. So, I mean, I don't know why I know the name, but... I don't know. This is always tough because I don't really know these guys. Um, I think I just think it, my ideal person off the bench is somebody that's you don't want somebody that's like uh, like a ball dominant shot creating guy to fill those spots. He's I not. Don't think. He's not catching. And, and I'm not He's, saying he is. Yeah, yeah. But this is uh, if he fits this, then you can say I'm right about him, I guess. 
if if he turns out to be something. Gotcha. But <laughs> you need somebody that is going to be elite at playing their role. I think that your best bet at development at a two-way spot because that's the kind of opportunities they're going to get. They're going to get spot role minutes. They're not going to get, unless you're playing for like worst team in the league, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Washington, Cleveland type teams, even though Cleveland might not be that bad. I don't know. Okay. Really know. Oklahoma City. Was Oklahoma City. I don't there. know why. I, <laughs> they, there you go. Oklahoma City. Teams like that, you're going to get opportunity to grow and display what you can do at an NBA level. So even if, I mean, there are probably plenty of players that have gone through the league in, like, its history that have had potential to be great players and they haven't got the chance. Guys that haven't gotten recognized. and I mean, not nowadays because everybody's on Instagram and Twitter and mixtapes this, mixtapes that. They get recruited. Like, the best people are getting displayed now. But... It's not always been that way. But For sure. you're yeah. going to get the most out of your two-way spot if you put somebody in there that you have an idea of what you want them to eventually do in a specific role. That's why Duncan Robinson works so well is because he's elite at his role and he's able to provide what the team needs. That's why he got an opportunity. Plus, Miami wasn't at the top of its game a couple of years ago, so he was getting more minutes. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, next guy I have for you, I got a picture already primed. Uh, Mason Jones played for the Rockets last season and the 76ers. Uh, biggest thing with him is he's a good defender, right? He's smaller, six foot four, I think. He can guard. Uh, I, I read in the scouting report. I'm not doing the scouting myself. One through four, good defender coming out of college. That's what they liked. Uh, he's a bucket, averaged 22 points per game in college. Not saying that's the role he's going to have in the NBA. Obviously, like you said, you need a guy who can know his role. But I do think if the Celtics you know, want to give him a chance in the G League, right, then he could translate into the NBA eventually. I don't think he's going to get a bunch of minutes this year. But that's just another pretty basic option. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him either or have any thoughts on that, but that that's kind of the – the role Mason Jones could have if he were to join uh, the Celtics this season. Uh, anything on that? Or, you know, just another guy. That one sounds like another guy. I think he his game is too... It's so weird saying too versatile, but like he's not going to be able to focus on improving at one thing and being great at one thing. No, I got you. I understand. Uh, he needs the ball in his hand. Kind it of, sounds kind so of. stupid to want somebody on your team that's only good at one thing. No, no, I completely understand that. You need a guy who can play his role, especially on a team with the Celtics that has so much talent already. Think of it like this. In baseball, catchers are very valuable because nobody does that. A lot of guys yeah. can get moved around in different positions. But if you're, you know, little Timmy trying out for your school team and you're a catcher, you're going to have a better chance of getting on the team because they need that position. I agree. You might not I be good at anything else but that, and you'll get on the team. So No, I, I got you. I know you do, but you know listeners may not. Like, well, you know why? You know why you, but yeah, like you need guys that are going to be able to commit to what they're doing. I mean, scorers that are not on teams are not on teams for a reason. They're not like, as good at teams. Alonzo Trier is a great example of that. Who's not in the league right now? Yeah, he was. He looked real good. They're good at it, but they're not as good as other people that you should have taking all the shots. So they're not going to find a spot. That's why Carson Edwards doesn't work. Exactly. I I agree 100%. 
Uh, next guy, RJ Nemhard. He's kind of a scorer, but he does, you know, have the ability to spot up, and I think he could be good at that. Uh, performance highlighted by a great game with the Heat Summer League team, which is why I know him. Um, played really well in that regard. Just another scorer, kind of like Mason Jones, but uh, is a rookie this year, so he would be, you know, fresh meat, I suppose you could say. Uh, we, we don't have to spend too much time on that. I think you gave your thoughts on that archetype of player. Um, this guy, Sam, I'm going to pique your interest real quick. I compared him to Marcus Smart. Uh, yeah, but go ahead. Mm-hmm. Compared to Marcus Smart, defender, uh, great playmaker, needs to work on the shooting a little bit, would be another guy like that. His name is Javante Smart, so they even share a last name, ironically enough. But, um, yeah, that kind of archetype of player. Not interest you? I feel like when you're filling these roles, too, I think it's good to have some size. Like, maybe not necessarily bulk, but height, just because it allows you to defend more positions, even though that guy is a good defender. But what's going to separate him from somebody else that's similar is their size, especially if they're not necessarily a great shooter. I don't, I don't, in the NBA, you don't see a lot of guys that are getting minutes solely for their defense. Marcus Smart, say what you will. This guy, you say he's a good playmaker too, but Marcus is, I think he's going to show a lot of people he's really gifted passer. He can have nights where he can score from three by going to the basket. There's more to it than just that. This is so weird. I'm probably spewing bullshit, but I don't know. I I feel like there is a formula to picking these guys out to, to be developable, to being important players on your team. I understand. No, you need niche players if you want to actually develop uh, these kind of guys. Like Duncan Robinson, three-point shooter. Lou Dort, great defender. Shake Milton, absolute bucket. Like, you have niches um, that you want to fill with two-way guys. Uh, next guy I have up for you is uh, Diedrich Lawson. Do you recognize the name? No. you recognize the picture? <laughs> Played for I the mean, Celtic Summer League. I recognize the jersey. I did not <laughs> I did not watch a lot of Summer League, to be fair. Uh he played Celtic Summer League team this year. He was pretty good. Only got seven minutes a game, so it doesn't seem, you know, very promising off that. But when he did, you know, get in the game, he did play very, very well. I have the stats for you if you'd like to hear them real quick. I just gotta find his name. Uh Diedrich Lawson. Uh only three point eight points per game, but like I said, in seven minutes, that's not too bad. 47% from the field, uh, sorry, 66.7% from the field, 50% from deep, uh, 2.4 rebounds, I believe that is. And I'm pretty sure he's a big man. Uh, I don't think he's, he's a very small, yeah, he's six foot nine. So six foot nine, 235. So he's a big dude, can stretch the floor. I, I don't hate the idea. You kind of have that in Sam Hauser, but he, he's a, a bigger guy. So he can probably defend in the post a little bit more. Um, guy to take a look at, maybe. I, I'm pretty sure he's a little bit on the older side, but yeah. I mean, I just said I like height, but I feel like there's a sweet spot. I, I feel like wings are the best types to have at the end of the bench. I should have said that. Because, one, wings really can fit into a lot of different positions. Two, three, four. I mean, they can play all of them, really. Centers, it's a very specific position. So you've got Horford, Williams... Cantor, and I'm forgetting someone I think ahead of him. Maybe I'm not. And Fernando. Fernando. So you've got these four guys ahead of him already. That's another thing. You're not going to get minutes. You're not going to develop. You don't need that. Yeah, but Sam Hauser's not necessarily going to get minutes either. He has a better chance than what are you what are you going to put this guy in the game for? 
What situation besides getting blown out? I don't think you'd put Sam Hauser in that situation much either. I mean, unless I need... think if you're really struggling for offense and you won't need shooting or something like that, I just think it's you're going to see it more than the center spot. Okay, I got you. Dietrich Lawson, I think he played. I don't think Sam Hauser is going to make all kinds of impact. That's not what I'm saying. I just think, I mean, I look at it like Neesmith last season. Okay, Neesmith, yes, he was a lottery pick, but they quickly like decided he was not going to see a lot of minutes. He was able to develop because he was getting spot minutes when they needed some kind of energy or offense. Mm-hmm. Obviously yeah. these guys at practice, the coaching staff, they see what you've got anyway. So they're going to make a decision whether you're going to get in the game that that's how it's done. But I think somebody that's a big man is better off get, going for opportunity on like, OKC. that's yeah. where if this guy's going to be anything, that's where you're going to find out. It, me saying this does not mean that if they sign any of these guys to the Celtics that they won't – if the Celtics don't sign these guys, they will not be good players. Like It'll look like the Celtics made the right decision. They could go I'm somewhere sure. else, get opportunity, and pan out. It's just if they come here, things work differently. Just look at like Max Struess. I, I mean, that's the thing he was I here. He wasn't going to get opportunity. Javante Green came in and like looked like he was making an impact. He had energy. He was athletic. He was a freak. And then Max Struess goes down to Miami. He gets a little opportunity because they're having a rough season last year at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he shows out a couple times. I mean, it happens. That that's you're you're going to see more people blossom at a higher volume of prospects when it's a team full of prospects. That's just how it works. Yeah, I agree. Uh, last guy I have for you, uh, my Twitter friend, Ned Snark, brings him up all the time. Biggest uh, fan in the world. His name is Zylan Cheatham. Zylan Cheatham, maybe? I don't know exactly how to say it. Uh, I think this is probably w- one of the top options. That I sent you a picture of him in the chat. Pelican Summer League team this year. I actually wrote about Zylan Cheatham uh, at the beginning of last season, I think. Let me get a date for you. I wrote about him on January 19th last year. I remember okay. when the NBA was considering adding you know, a third two-way spot to account for COVID. Right, that that was a, yeah. a rumor for a little bit. Uh, I wrote about Zylan as one of them. Uh, he is six foot eight, big dude. Uh, played a lot of center for the Pelicans, weirdly enough, in summer league, which is obviously not the role he would have. Super ridiculously athletic. Um, and let me find his stats for you real quick. Uh, he averaged twenty one minutes per game, nine point six points, sixty one point three percent from the field, thirty three point three percent from deep on only like attempt a game, so it's not much. Six rebounds, one point two assists. He's just a super athletic dude who could, you know, become a decent wing slash small ball center, which I don't think he'd play much of on the Celtics. But uh, I think he could be an all around, you know, solid dude, plays with great energy. Uh, and shout out Ned Snark for being his biggest fan and biggest advocate. But, uh, yeah, that's probably one of my top options. That or Admiral, Sch- Admiral Schofield uh, for me. But, yeah, any thoughts on Zylan? <laughs> if he's going to be small ball center type role, I just think they've already got that in Grant. Granted. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> Grant could use some competition in that role. I think maybe it's something, maybe not in terms of you know this player's potential or career. I, I think it's better for Grant. So if that's what you're looking for, for somebody to give him some competition, not that Grant's not motivated. I'd imagine he is. That's why he's in the league. But I, I think it might be good for com- like just, said, just for he- competition purposes. He can also play the wing. He's only 6'8". It's not like he only plays center. Right. 
Grant's only 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. But uh, that sort of wraps up all the two-way guys I had. Uh, for the last part of this, I want to go into player expectations. I'm not asking for stat predictions. Uh, I just want to know where, you know, where's the bar for every player on the Celtics roster going into the season? So do you want to go top down or do you want to go, you know, bottom to the top? Of players like let's go bottom to first? top because if i was listening to this i'd be more curious about what we think about tatum than uh you know sam hauser gotcha <laughs> uh, so that's 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 who we'll start with we'll start with sam hauser um i i think he could he's probably gonna have a at the most ceiling uh similar season to neesmith last year to where he doesn't get a lot of opportunity gets a little bit maybe struggles shooting because sh- shooting is a tough role to get into because you have to be consistent that's how it works yeah so if he goes out and has a bad game you're not going to see him on the floor the next day probably it's just not going to happen so he's going to have to earn those minutes maybe he gets a little string somebody gets hurt goes out and it also as a shooter it's tough to you know be consistent if you're not out there consistently so the g league is going to help him out mm-hmm. g league is going to be good for him but yeah ceiling is neesmith last year where maybe you learn a little bit Oh, maybe, maybe, you know, he's going to be a game changer. And then Flores, they don't keep him around. Yeah, he can only play 50 games with the teams, obviously, because he is a two-way player. I think uh, the G League, like you said, is probably going to be where he thrives. Uh, If he can be a consistent shooter, which is not easy at the NBA level, I think there is a pathway for him to getting minimal minutes. I really think the trade for Wancho and Gomez limits his potential role with the team. Because uh, obviously that's kind of the mold he should probably be looking to follow. Same height, same kind of, you know, play type. I guess you could argue, even though I'd say Wancho's probably a better defender than Sam Hauser. Obviously, um, it's just a matter, like I said, if he can shoot consistently. And I, I don't necessarily expect him to. Maybe like 32% when he plays in the NBA, which may sound ridiculous, but it's not easy to shoot. You just don't come it's, out of the gates and shoot 40. It's hard for shooters to carry over to the NBA because yeah. the defense is better. Shoot forty percent in the G different. League. That that's a goal. Shoot forty percent in the G League, and if he can do that, then maybe he'll have a role eventually in the NBA. But it's tough to crack this forward rotation of Boston, I think, especially for a rookie. Yeah, I think I think anytime, I just think in general the Celtics rotation is hard to crack. I think that's the way they operate now. Yeah, Tatum was an outlier when he got drafted. I yeah. I remember I was kind of surprised that he was playing such a big role at the beginning of the season just because of Jaylen, how Jalen Brown things went for him where he was top three pick and he was getting like spot minutes. Like he was not really playing that consistently from what I remember. Yeah. I mean, if you go back, it's like 20 minutes a game, but like it didn't feel like that at times. Like it felt like he was not getting the amount of opportunity he should get. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they make it, good judgments on, on I when agree. to I bust agree. it. Cause you can bust hey. out early, he loses confidence and, and We'll have to see with Emate because it's going to be different this year. It's going to be very it is different. different. Brad's still there though. He's um, still... next up, I got Bruno, Bruno Fernando for you. Um, hopefully, uh, ceiling is he surpasses Cantor as the third option at the big position. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think if somebody goes down with an injury, which is possible, especially Robert Williams has a history of injuries. Even though last season he made it through most of the season, turf toe was such a strange injury. <laughs> Eh, he made it through. Is <laughs> he played? He played what fifty something games last year. He played his career higher in, in games. more than normal. Still not. He only missed twenty games. And then Al Continue. Horford is getting up there in age. So those two guys, 
Horford will at least have some games where they just rest him. But those two guys definitely have potential to miss games. So if he gets opportunity and makes the most of it, he was decent in the summer league, wasn't he? He was solid. Yeah, yeah he was killing it. He's killing yeah. it in the Celtics. So he could definitely surpass Cantor as a third option. I also think Cantor brings uh, some stuff to the table. Like, he's not horrible. Good locker room presence at the very least, I would say. Yeah. So. But floor is he's not back next year. I, that's that's the floor for these end of the bench guys, unless he's on the contract, you. which he's not. Because he's not. He's not on the contract. Yeah. He averaged 9.3 points, 5.3 rebounds in a block a game in the summer league. So de- decent stats. Not I mean, bad. what you want from him. Uh, I don't really know floor and ceiling. I think, like you said, probably passing Ennis Cantor in the depth chart. Uh, I really like him as a prospect. I think the Celtics might look to shake things How up this summer do? if they do. I think he's 23. Uh, oh, that's really I, not bad yeah. then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he is 23. Yep. He turned He turned 23 uh, in August. So August 15th. So he just so turned 23. He's, he's young, year. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, That's good uh, then. I, I think ideally you want him to play well enough to the point where you're not scared to trade Horford this summer, if that makes sense. Um, which that's, is lofty. That's a good point. Lofty goal, but but very lofty. Um, we shall see how well Sucks he does. That next probably up, have to trade him. It does. Back. It does. But um, next up, I got Ennis Cantor. We brought up uh, that idea. But well, what's your idea for Ennis Cantor this this uh, season? Um, I think ceiling is he makes he's an impactful player and he plays well in spot. Maybe I don't know if spot starts are going to be a thing this season, but he plays well in his spot games where he gets substantial minutes. I don't think he's going to consistently play a lot of minutes, but I think if he has like a good season, like he'll be playing consistently well in the minutes he gets. If that makes sense. Because I think Horford yeah. and Williams are cemented ahead of him. Williams obviously has a future with the team because they just paid him. And yeah. Horford has proven he's been here for three years in the past, had a solid season last season has chemistry with these guys, as is Cantor, uh, ahead of him. Ahead of him in the starting lineup. Uh, yeah, yeah. Consistent minutes, you know. But floor is he loses his spot to Fernando. Very simple. Yeah, I think he needs to play well enough where the Celtics aren't terrified if Robert Williams gets hurt, if he gets hurt again, right? Yeah, you need I that also backup think, um, I think I saw, like, they're really working with him on defense. Like, Udoka is really... <laughs> No, like, I think I saw, like, he was improving. Like, I saw some stuff hyping him up, actually. I, all I Which I don't consistently been, see about everybody. It's not like I see hype all the time. All I know is Dennis Cantor has been doing his thing on social media. He's been uh, with David Dobrik. He's been on TikTok. He's been with all these, you Which know, is what he does. Influence. He's going to be on. He'll probably <laughs> be an analyst after he's done. Or he'll be. Uh, yeah, he'll do something fun. He'll be on some, not even sports. Like, he'd be, like, on, like, some. Local. WWE, <laughs> WWE <laughs> could be one. Like there, he'll be like in movies or something just, as like a yeah. comedic relief, like as being a I, giant guy. Yeah, I just want him to be a good locker room guy. I think that's my expectation. Which is fine. Cantor. Yeah, exactly. Um, next up, my boy Grant Williams. What are your expectations for him this season? Grant might have the largest window of how his season could go. I agree completely. Grant. Grant could easily have a breakout season for him this year. I don't I don't know if he's necessarily going to be like a 
like a most improved kind of candidate or people are going to really be talking about him. <laughs> but we all yeah. know Grant Williams had a really solid end to the rookie season. And then last year, people had expectations for him. Didn't exactly pan out. Didn't exactly get the time to get a consistent footing underneath him either. And I don't think it helped that there wasn't a G League for the yeah. Red Claws, at least. There was the bubble. But it's kind of defeating the purpose. That was more of a... And that's not really what the G League is properly used for. They're not sending guys down there to get them reps unless they really don't think they're going to play. So he could he could probably get a consistent role. He could get himself ceiling battling with Hernan Gomez for minutes. I think I'm not really sure what to think of Hernan Gomez just yet. I don't know a whole lot about him. I, I mean, I know what his stats career wise are and they're all right. But if Grant. I mean, Grant had a point in his career where I thought every time he shot a three was going in. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. like in the playoffs. And he shot 60% yeah. in the playoffs. Like it was earned. Earned was confidence yeah. in Grant. Then last year he was he was rough. So if he really like is bad this year, uh, he they won't pick up his team option and he'll be gone. That's that's yeah. his, he loses all minutes as his floor. <laughs> it's tough. Um I do think my expectation for Grant is that he brings it back on the defensive end. I don't think it was necessarily completely his fault last year, but I want him to get back to the point where people are saying, okay, this is why we liked him as a defender in his rookie season. I want him to be able to play the forward because I think that's where he'll be getting the majority of his minutes in the, like moving forward. So I think he's got to adapt better to playing power forward. Uh, and that's just my goal and expectation for Grant Williams this season. Uh, next up, we do have Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, obviously, we talked about him to start the show. Uh, what are you expecting from him this season? Um, he's definitely going to start the season with a consistent backup role yep. for probably when Tatum sits, okay. which is very strange to say, but I mean, that's the position or maybe it's going to be like when Brown sits or, so, you know, like they're, they'll slide Tatum down to a smaller position, mm-hmm. like small forward, but, and then he'll fill in that role. I don't really know exactly what their plans are, but. He's definitely going to start with getting minutes. I don't think they brought him in for no reason. Even though, I mean, it's kind of a reason enough to get Edwards off the team. I just don't think it made <laughs> sense to have that friggin' contract on your team, and I wish they could have did it sooner. Mm-hmm. But you've got you've got a good chance for him to get a solid role on this team. Ceiling is he's a really great bench piece for your team. This team itself has such a wide window of how well it can perform. Yeah, but I agree. I think, yeah, best case, he's a solid bench piece, shoots 38, 40% from three, and is you know someone you can be confident in stretching the floor. Worst yeah. case, his trajectory from last season continues, and he still struggles and isn't able to perform for you consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's not ideal. Yeah, I think he has a much better chance to succeed in Boston than he did in Minnesota. I do like too. if I'm being honest, like who who was he getting passes from in Minnesota? Who was like around him in Minnesota? Like they have some talent. They have Cat. They have Velo. They have Edwards. But uh, they were asking a lot of Juancho, I think, to be just this you know lights out you know Duncan Robinson guy. I don't know. Uh, I just think that ideally for me, Juancho is one of the first guys off the bench. Probably him and then one of Schroeder, Richardson, whoever doesn't start come off the bench in the first sub. Um, he can play the three or the four. I think Neesmith will get a lot of run at the two and the three. You got Juancho for the three and the four. You got Schroeder slash Pritchard for the one. 
you got Al Horford for the five, and that's your your core guys off the bench. Who are your starters, Jack? Minutes. Just curious. Ah, you said Richardson so off tough. the bench. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I mean, it, it depends. Ideally for me, I think you start smart Richardson, Brown, Tatum, Rob. But okay. I don't know what Udoka is going to do with Schroeder, what Schroeder is going to do. I feel like Schroeder's the type of guy who could throw a fit if he doesn't start, which I don't he like. He said he's okay with it. He said okay. I, there there have been things about him saying like he really doesn't care if he's off the – I mean, he probably wants minutes, but he's going to get minutes regardless if he's starting I off the I think he should play he... like 20, 25, 28 yeah. minutes a night for Schroeder. Yeah. Off yeah. the bench, obviously, but – um, yeah, and then if Josh Richardson doesn't play well enough to start, I think you throw in Neesmith. I don't think you throw Yeah, him. see, Neesmith is somebody, when we get to him, I don't want to get off of Hernan Gomez yet because I think he made a good point about the Timberwolves, really. I think players in a shooting stretch, big kind of role, are going to always perform better when they're on better teams because guys can stick to them less. Guys like Hernan Gomez... He's not like somebody that's going to run around and fly off screens like Duncan yeah. Robinson. He's just not fast enough. Mm-hmm. You know, you can we we talked about him earlier. We talk about Duncan Robinson a lot. We can say it's because he's from New England, whatever. But he <laughs> he's a lead at it because he's mobile enough to get around these screens. Like that's a skill in itself is moving off the ball. So yeah. stretch bigs typically don't do that. That's just how the game works. It it doesn't make sense. Those guys are the ones that are setting the screens. You're not going to have, let's say, Schroeder sending a screen off ball for Hernan Gomez to stop, let's say, they're playing New York and Randall's on the floor. Randall's going to run right through him. <laughs> yeah. That's just not how it works. So these guys are going to – stretch bigs are going to play better when their guys have to help. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. So if they're – if Tatum and Brown are able to get other bigs – covering Hernan Gomez to go help, that's when he's going to succeed. Nobody in Minnesota is doing that. Towns is playing out of the post. He's not actively driving on somebody, and oftentimes he's not dominating a game enough to where they have to double him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. I agree. I think Wancho's going to have his best success on the winger in the corner, catching you know balls off drives and shooting uh, lights out. I think that should be the expectation. Just make your open shots, and you'll have a role with the Celtics. Uh, we'll jump into Neesmith next, since you did bring him up. Uh, yeah, what are your expect- expectations Smith, for him? Neesmith, like Grant Williams, has a huge window of where he could end up this season. Mm-hmm. I see a ton of people saying that they want him to start, which, I mean, I'm kind of fine with. I don't think there's a concrete shooting guard guy unless – I mean, I think Richardson is a good choice too, but it depends what they really want to do with him because – We've talked about it before. He can handle the ball and run pick and roll and stuff. So if they want him to be the point guard, then he's going to come off the bench. I think Marcus Smart should be prevented, prevented, cemented as starting point guard. How different those statements would have been, huh? Um, so I think that that second guy is really tough to pick. So I think he has the opportunity to earn himself a starting role this season. That's what I'm getting at, rambling. I think he showed us a lot at the end of last season. I think he brought brings great energy the entire season. That was something we knew. The problem was his shots weren't falling. He started making shots. He had a really hot stretch there, uh, like March, April area of the season where he was consistently yeah. knocking down threes. He had a good summer league. So he's on the upswing. Ideally, he will cons- continue to like get better. 
he could again if he struggles he'll have a similar season to last season where he's playing spot minutes and he's not consistently getting opportunities to be a shooter which is tough for shooters i mean you have to be consistently getting roles but i'm not sure he can it sounds like he was horrible last season which i don't really know if he was but i don't know if he's going to have as in let's say inconsistent of a season as he had last year because at the very least, they'll be able to move him up and down, right? From the G League? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can move him up and down. Yeah, so I wasn't sure. I started talking, and I was like, wait, then, like, if he's not a two-way player, then, like, can they even do that? I yeah, yeah they, they can move him up yeah. But he is someone that would definitely benefit from the G League. He'll be getting consistent reps and be able to improve his shot-creating skills because he'll probably be the main guy if he's playing up in Maine. Yeah, uh, I think I probably have a little bit higher expectations for Neesmith than you maybe this season. Um, ideally, I don't think he could get to 10 points per game. Six to eight, I think, is a good, you know, hopeful number for Neesmith to reach. I think there's definitely more talent above him uh, in the scoring depth chart this season than there was last year, which is weird to say considering they had Kemba last year and Fournier. Um, if he hits his shots, he'll get playing time. And he was hitting his shots at the end of last year, so hopefully he can do it again this year. Uh, also a good defender. Like, he's just a good three and D player you can throw on the court, right? He, he, he doesn't have to have, you know, they don't need to be, Oh, they need to be down and need a bucket for him to get playing time. Like with Carson, they don't need, you know, Oh, they're up. We need defense. You, you can throw them on in any situation you want to throw them on the court. And so uh, I think it's really easy for him to get minutes, especially considering he's probably their best small forward off the bench. You know, I think Richardson will start. And at that point, I think he's the number one small forward off the bench, him and Heron and Gomez at the three and the four. So, yeah, I think that's, that's what fair. I'm hoping for Neesmith. It's so funny, <laughs> like you you have like mentioned stats in most of your like predictions, and I'm just like thinking about what role they're gonna play. That's we we work so differently, <laughs> which is good. They're just yeah. sitting here talking yeah, about yeah. either either end of it. It really wouldn't work. But yeah. Uh yeah, I, I got I'm another excited. one for you. Go ahead. Romeo. It's See, Rome, Romeo, I feel like he's got a low ceiling this year. I just don't know how many opportunities he's going to get. He didn't really impress in the summer league the way he could have and should have at this point of his career. He's, this is going to be his third season. Yep. Usually guys aren't playing yeah. summer league this deep into their career, but they are. He was because of injuries, which is fine. You, a lot of times can't control that. It happens. Mm-hmm. But he got injured again in the summer league, missed the title game. He wasn't really as impactful as he could have been from what I remember seeing. Like, it was Pritchard, who had a phenomenal summer league, running the show. Jalen Brown, his second season, played, like, one game in the summer league and bounced because he was dominating. That didn't happen for Romeo. (laughs) Yeah. And, no, you know, last season I was really trying to pit Romeo as a similar story to Jalen Brown to where he wasn't getting a ton of minutes, but when he did, he was all right, which he's still, like, all right. But I think Romeo is really starting to shape more of into a secondary role player than someone that's going to be a facilitator that creates for others, which is something I think we kind of a Gordon Hayward type, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I got you. He's not going to be that. But at the same time, I am sticking to it. Like, I think he had a good playoffs last season, and I think he can build on that. So ideally ceiling he builds on his playoff performance and continues to be able to play in a role and improve at that um floor is he doesn't get any more minutes like he's he's cemented at the end of the bench and 
he's somebody that this is a prove it year for him. If he doesn't perform, he's probably not going to be on this team much longer. Yeah. Um, maybe it's harsh. Uh, I think they should trade Romeo. I, I have no, I'm very, very low. I'm not opposed to that. Point. I think they've got better options than him now. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think they'd get a lot for him. I, I don't think they'd get like another playable player. I think they'd get draft picks. I, I just am very low on Romeo as a player right now. I don't think there's a lot of room for him to get minutes on the team, um, especially when you can't shoot. And maybe that's harsh, just ragging on guys who can't shoot. Like if you can't shoot, you're not an NBA player. That's not true. But if you can't shoot, you, it, you have a much harder time getting minutes in the NBA. It's especially like being a on catcher. You're absolutely right. This is what <laughs> exactly. we talked about earlier with the two ways. If you're going to be able to shoot, you give yourself more opportunity to be on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, look at all the guys in the Celtics roster, right? Jason Tatum, elite shooter. Jalen Brown, elite shooter. Even if they weren't elite shooters, they're the players who get minutes that aren't elite shooters are so good at other things that they don't need to be elite shooters, right? Russell Westbrook, you can think he's bad all you want. Not a good shooter, does so much other stuff well that he's still amazing at basketball, right? Um, and there's not a lot of role players out there who can't shoot. Like, none come to mind. You know, Javante Green, we shoot. all saw how that worked out. Javante right? Green is one. But I think Draymond's kind of out. a role player right now, but he's elite at being that, a role player in exactly, his role. Exactly, exactly. And Romeo's not that. I mean, he can grow into that, but he won't have the minutes in Boston to grow into that sort of player, right? I do if think— If he can't shoot— Go ahead. I, I'm just, If he can't shoot on the Celtics team, there's not a lot of room for him to get minutes. And if he can't get minutes, then he's not going to improve. And that's just where I I'm agree. at with Romeo at this and point. The reason why, you, if you're not a shooter, the way the game is played now relies on shooting. The team that you're playing on is not going to shift their offensive game plan for you that can't shoot if you're not elite at something else. That's why you mentioned Westbrook. I mentioned Draymond. These are two household names, star players that are good enough at other things. Even if you want to say Marcus Smart can't shoot particularly well, you say what you want. He is elite at other things, and that's why he's able to be impactful. The Celtics are not going to shift the way they play the game to let Romeo get some minutes. And I, exactly. I agree with you about the trade a lot because looking at last season, I felt like there was really a competition between Neesmith and Langford for that spot to actually play. I think Neesmith they're both won. wings, and I think Neesmith won. The thing that Romeo has going for him is it's not impossible to become a better shooter. It's not. Shooting is repetition. There's more to it. Like we talked about with Duncan Robinson comparing him to Hernan Gomez, you have to be able to move off the ball. Langford is small enough to where he needs to be able to be good at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just very low on Romeo at this point. Hopefully he proves me wrong. I'm not going to hate on the guy. Just, it's fair. You know, I don't think his summer at. league was impressive enough for me to continue to ride on the playoffs for him. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. And speaking of Summer League being impressive, the next guy I got for you is Peyton Pritchard. Um, what, what are your expectations for Pritchard this season? When I hear other people talk about Pritchard, it's so strange to me. I listen, I mean, I listen to like 98.5. Like, that's where I hear it when they would talk about the Celtics. But people seem to think like Pritchard has reached his peak, that he's going to be an elite role player, like off the bench to be in a bench score. Like, that's going to be his ceiling. I'm not particularly sure about that. You just watched him carry a team in the summer league to an undefeated run to the championship, which they lost. <laughs> but he, they were undefeated all the way there. They were the 2007 Patriots of the summer league. Okay. And he was the head yeah. of the snake. He was killing it. He can shoot. He has good range. The, the thing about Pritchard that was so funny is there's so many frigging guards on this team. You're absolutely right. When we were talking about Isaiah earlier, 
there's not a lot of room for error with Pritchard. So I guess you could yeah. like give him a low floor, but I think he's proved himself enough to where that's not going to be an issue of him falling out of the rotation unless he's mm-hmm. really bad. But one thing we we know about Pritchard is he's a worker. He's crazy. It, I think Danny Ainge spoke about it one time, like growing up, like Pritchard like would like dribble to like his hands bled. Like it's crazy. Like if you look look up like Pritchard's road to the NBA, the amount of work he put in to become where he is now, which is not taken away from any other NBA player. Everybody's going to put in the work. That's how you get there. But yeah, him, his path, he is a workhorse. So he's not – I don't think it's possible for Pritchard to remain at the same level he is. He's either going to get better or something happens to where he falls off, like gets hurt, something. But I think Ceiling is uh, sixth man on this team, which is saying a lot with some of the guard depth that they've got this year. Yeah. I think he could be a sixth man, and I think he can be – I'll throw some stats, maybe like 13 points a game. Wow. See, like right. 13 to 15 off the bench. Wow. All right. All right. That's high expectations. But um, four is he could fall out of the rotation, yeah. especially with the depth they have this year. It's, it's a big mm-hmm. season for him, too. But he's proven himself enough to where I have confidence in him, unlike Romeo. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I've said this. I don't think he'll reach this peak this season. But I do think, you know, like you said, Pritchard's still growing. He hasn't reached a ceiling. I think Fred Van Fleet is honestly where he could be at the peak of his career, which, I think again, high ceiling. But. Um, I, I also think that there is somewhat of a low floor, like you said. Since you got Schroeder in the rotation, you got Smart, you got Josh Richardson, Jalen obviously uh, can play the three as well. But you got some really talented guards. You still got Romeo if he balls out. Um, Pritchard needs to keep shooting the ball well. He shot, what, 40% last season uh, or, or almost. I'm pretty sure it was up there. But if he comes out and does that again, he'll get minutes. If he's shooting 35 in slumps, he's going to fall out of the rotation. And that's just the nature of the beast. Um Next up, you know, we'll start to wrap up. We're starting to get these higher-end guys. Uh, Al Horford. Al Horford. What are your expectations for Al Horford this summer? Or My this expectations season? for Al Horford are high enough to where I'm surprised we're talking about him already. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but continue. In, in all seriousness, I think it's realistic to expect him to, I mean, to, to feel like he could have a bad season. I think it's realistic to do that. I, I'm not sure how realistic it is that it's going to happen. I'm more high on him than probably most people. I think Horford's game ages like fine wine. He's not somebody that's blowing by guys off the dribble. Like that's not his game. He doesn't need to be crazy athletic, which you're going to lose athleticism with age to be impactful. I think he's a good post player. I think he's a good facilitator. I think all the things he does well, there's no reason he can't do them. He had a solid season last year when he was allowed to play by the thunder, which is some crap that they just sat him down. But I don't know. I think he can put up similar numbers to last time he was in Boston. It, I mean, his all-star seasons, he won't be an all-star. Just for namesake, you've got too many other guys at the position that are names now for fan voting. But he's definitely going to be good in his role. Mm-hmm. You uh, have him off I've... the bench in your ideal starting lineup. And then, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a battle for the starting spot between him and Williams. I, I think it's going to be situational as well. Like, when they're playing Philly, it's going to be Horford because he's had a history of defending well. His defense is something that could drop off, though, because that's something you need to be a little bit athletic to do. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. I don't think Robert Williams is a lock for the starting spot. I think Horford will fight for it. I don't think he's going to average like 15, 8, and 4 like he did as a starter in Boston. I think that's too high of an expectation. Um, I think he could get – I mean, maybe you think I'm crazy, but I think around 10 points for Horford. I don't think he's going to be a scorer in Boston. I think there's too many other scorers around him um, for him to do that. I think around 10 points, five rebounds, one in – you know, uh, he's not going to – his impact's not going to show up in the stat sheet as much, and it never has, but I it's think you're really going to feel that this season. Exactly. So uh, that's where I'm at with Horford. That's not to say I think he's going to be bad. I think he's going to be great. I just don't think you're going to see, you know, these big stats, which, like I said, you've never seen that for Horford. Um, Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. What are you thinking about for him? I, I feel like Schroeder's going to have a really good season. I think he's motivated. I think he wants to get paid next summer. I think he's proven that he can play in this league. It's not like he's, like, crazy old to where he should be losing abilities yet you know like he's still like what 27 28 29 something like that he's not 30 um he he's definitely gonna have a role on this team consistently he's here for a reason could potentially finding himself be the starter if things don't go well which i think they will go well so i don't know if that's gonna be a thing but i think he's going to be he could be a six-man candidate this year i think so for for the award the award yeah yeah six, six men, men of the year. year i think that is a good ceiling for him and that might be his role in his career going forward as well yeah i think he blew the starting chances when he you know turned down the 80 mil and put up that, that performance in the playoffs and i'm not saying he's gonna have a bad year i agree i think he's gonna have a good year but i think he should be that six man on a good team i think like you said he can be that six man i think he'll be a six man of the year candidate at his peak um, 15 points, maybe if we're putting numbers on it, I think would be a solid, uh, goal for him to reach. I think he averaged almost 20 in OKC because he could, they didn't have a ton of scores there. You're not right. going to average 20 points behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, unless you have like Hayward and Walker and no depth past that, but Celtics have good enough depth where he's not going to average 20. So, um, hoping for a six man of the year type of role. Uh, and that's not necessarily the expectations. I think expectations should be around 12 or 13 points uh, and an efficient shooter, uh, good secondary playmaker behind smart. But um, yeah, ceiling, I think six man is a fair ceiling. Uh, Josh Richardson just acquired him earlier this season from the Mavs, extended him, gave him a one year extension. Uh, what's your expectations for Jay Rich this year? I think Richardson is almost in a similar situation to Schroeder where he's on a prove it even though he's got two years, but he's they, they definitely extend him because they want to use him as a trade chip. So, yeah, um, there you go. That that says a lot, though. I think that means the team has confidence in him if they're doing that, because yeah. they think at that price, he is going to be valuable, whether it's to them or somebody else. Yeah. So I think that says a lot. I think he could be a good role player on this team. He's a solid defender. He can run. He's he's a guy that's good at a lot of things that are going to help them. So I think he's going to see consistent minutes. I think he's going to be somebody that the Celtics fans are going to be happy. That's getting minutes. It's not going to be like, uh, like Terry Rozier's last season on the Celtics. People were like, want to want to make it or play. Cause like he was not doing well in his role. I think there's a lot of different roles. Richardson can play well. And I feel like Dallas almost wanted him to have too big of a role. And I think that was a problem. Yeah, I got you. He was almost um, supposed I- to be second to Luca, right? Well, no, they, they, and Hardaway. I don't think I think that's a bit much, but but still, uh, yeah. Um, I think he found the most success, obviously, in Miami. I think he was super confident 
I think he needs to build that confidence back up because I think spending that one tumultuous season uh, in Philly and then another one in Dallas last year, I don't think it did much for his confidence. Um, he's a good ball handler. I don't think he'll be doing much of that in Boston, but if he can get back up to shooting around 36, 37%, I'll be happy, right? Obviously you want him to shoot 40, 38, you know, th that's the goal for every shooter. But I think after the struggle he had last year, um, 36, 37 is a fair goal for him. I think he shot around 32, 33 last year. Uh, I just want him to get back up to, up to hitting his shots because we know he can defend. We know he can play make if he needs to. I think the real question with Richardson is can he hit his shots? And I think that's what the Celtics are going to expect from him. And if he doesn't, he's going to lose minutes to Neesmith and Romeo and Pritchard. Um, and I know you mentioned, you know, weird that we're talking about Horford a while ago. I think it is because the general way of thinking is that there's a talent gap on the Celtics team. You jump from the young guys of Pritchard, of Neesmith, of Langford to the, you know, Schroeder, Richardson, Horford category. And realistically, Richardson doesn't hit his shots. He's down in that lower tier and Neesmith jump right, jumps right up. So. I don't think there's that big of a gap, and he's going to have to hit his shots to keep up the minutes uh, this season. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, you know, like the Celtics had like the same kind of thing last year. You had a <laughs> lot of guys that are at the same level. But this year, the level that all those guys are at is higher now. It's it's better. You yeah. want the, you have more depth. This The Celtics are going to be much better this season because of it. You have guys you can rely on to contribute. You don't have Shemi. <laughs> I love that. God, like, what did Shemmy shoot? Like 37% from three or something like that. And like Bucks fans are citing that stat when they signed him. His shots were all open. Yeah. And he's missing 63% <laughs> of his open shots. I, I, I know there's like advanced stats. I'm not going to like have you look it up because it's like too much. But like if you looked at like Duncan, let's say Duncan Robinson, because he's someone we talk about this shooter on this team all the time. His open shot makes must be like 60% or higher. Yeah, they've got to be ridiculous. I can look that up for you really quick. Just do it I quick. I, I don't want to bore people with stats. We can move on to the next one. I'll say, let's see, who's left? you got Tatum, Brown, Marcus, Williams. Who else? Uh, that might be it. Smart. Tatum. I said Mark. You said that already? Yeah, those are the who, last Who are you going to say four. next? I'll I was going to bring up, uh, we'll go Williams. We'll go Rob Williams. Will next. And I'll look up this stat while, while we do that. Williams is another guy. He doesn't have as low of a floor, but he has his ceiling could vary, I guess. So he has a high ceiling and a low ceiling, and then he's got a floor. He's, he's got two stories to his house. He's got potential to really be like a most improved. I've hammered it home ever since we've done this podcast. Out of nowhere, stardom, Capella, Whiteside, when he was like really the talk of the league for a while in Miami. Like those kind of centers, athletic shot blocking guys being cemented as a great start or a good starting center in the league. That's probably his high ceiling. I think his low ceiling is that potential is still there, but one, he's not going to consistently start, but that's fine. Like he he's going to be fine in his low ceiling on his role on the team, whatever that turns out to be whether it's spot starting, swapping with Horford, or being the backup energy center off the bench, which I almost feel like might be a better role for him at this point. But I'm fine with whatever because I have confidence in him. Then his floor is he gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy floor. I'm struggling to find the stat, but I'll, I'll talk while I search. Um, I think, obviously, the expectation or hope, I suppose, for Robert Williams this season is that 
he does not get hurt. I think it's pretty simple, right? All you want for Rob this season is for him to continue on the track he was last year, except not get hurt, right? That That's just, that's the clear hope you got to have for Robert Williams uh, this season. I did find the stat, by the way. We're talking about open looks. How many does Robinson make? Uh, of his open threes, he only gets 1.8 a game. Uh, this is six plus feet away, wide open, and he makes 47.7% of them. Uh, of his threes, of his wide open threes. Okay. Uh, of his open threes, which is four to six feet away, he makes 40.7% of them. Uh, would you like the Ogilvy stat for both? Ogilvy's is probably much lower. <laughs> of his wide open threes, six plus feet away, Ogilvy makes 33.7%. Yeah, see, that's horrible. <laughs> that, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, you, can, made... you can stop right there. It doesn't even matter. Like that. Right. That's what tells you. When you're practicing <laughs> shots in the gym next to the ball rack, those are the shots you're taking. So in the gym, he's probably only making 33%. Yeah, it's brutal. He made Which like 45%. He, he probably makes closer to like, he probably makes closer to what Robinson makes, but in the gym, Robinson probably makes closer to like 70%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, you got to make the open ones. Like Smart makes 37.5% of his wide open threes. So Which is fine. There you go. Exactly. Smart um, but yeah, probably Rob- shoots better contested. I'm going to be honest with you. We let, Let's... You finish, and I'll start talking about Marcus Smart. No, I was. I mean, I can tell you that. Do you want me to tell you what he shoots contested? Because I, I got it for you. No, because I don't want. I don't want to be wrong. Because <laughs> I really don't think anybody shoots better contested. But it's for me, it feels like he makes more contested shots than open ones. Because I think the theory behind this is like he has more time to think when he's open. But when he's, you know, not, he's really muscle memory kind of. I don't know. He's probably not the most confident shooter. I, I'm going to stop talking because it's probably not true. <laughs> yeah, it's not true, but uh, we, we won't dive into the stats. Um, but yeah, Robert Williams, you want him to stay healthy. Uh, you want him to, I mean, if we're going to put stats on it, I know I don't love putting stats on it because it sets an actual expectation. Well, you do. I do. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe 12 points. Is that too much for Rob? 12 points, eight rebounds, two blocks. I, think I don't that's think the, fair. the points is the problem. Rebounds is like weird because he's he's like only six eight six nine. Like he he averaged eight rebounds athletic. last year. He did. He averaged that's eight rebounds of, last year. That's kind of crazy. So. All right, well, that's fine. I think the points is like really <laughs> subjective because he's like a safety valve. So like if the offense, I averaged runs seven better, seven rebounds last year. Sorry. Continue. Okay. Well, if the offense is really running well and like Tatum's killing it and Brown's killing it, like they don't they're not going to need him. Hmm. But. Again, like if he's playing well, like it helps the offense. At the same time, play. though, if they're killing it, defenders are going to have to pull towards them. He'll have easy lobs. So yeah, he's he's going to have easy buckets. His field goal percent is going to be through the roof because that's what he, he can does. set the record. I think he'll set the record this you year. You think so? He, he did last year, but he didn't qualify because he didn't play it. You know? That's so funny. So I gave like my my high floor, my low floor, my no, 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 high ceiling, low ceiling floor. I think the high ceiling is if he's healthy, doesn't really miss any time. Low ceiling is if he's injured, but like they're small, like, but he has to miss time, like kind of like last year, right? Yeah, yeah. And then obviously floor, he gets injured is he gets injured. I mean, that that's what it means. Brutal. Brutal. All right. Um, we'll move on. We spent enough time on Rob. Well, Marcus Smart next. Marcus. Marcus is going to get me in trouble, man. I'm, I'm hot taking Marcus. <laughs> I think his ceiling is an all-star season. What? I think he's. I think he's Come getting on. the opportunity to play a different kind of role on this Come team. On, man. I don't know. All-Stars silly, but I think he's going to put up really like good numbers, if that makes sense. All-Stars not fair to predict just because 
the All Star game too much isn't. There's, there's too much talent, and also the All Star selection really is like scoring wise. And I think if he's at his best, he's not going to be scoring a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I got you. Not to say he's not going to score a lot of points, but I think, I think Marcus could be most improved this year. Let Let's say that. I think that might be a fair ceiling, not Sam's green teamer ceiling. We'll do a high ceiling for Marcus. We'll still predict he could be an all-star because I think he can be elite at his position. All right. I think he's going to have a really great season passing the ball. And I think because he's going to be expected to facilitate, he's not going to be taking as many silly threes that people don't like to see him take, which is fair. I mean, he shouldn't be taking too many threes. And especially if he's like stepping back Tatum style, you know, like that's not I his mean, game. I can, I can give you stats. I can give you how many contested threes he took versus the Celtics, like other Celtics on the team last year. It's you probably more. So ah, contest- I don't know. It's probably a little higher, but then at the same time, guys are contesting Tatum more because they yeah. are scared of him more than smart. So very tight threes, which means the defender is right in your face, zero to two feet. Kemba took the most. He took 14. The next most was Jalen with five. So Kemba was wilded, but he shot 43% on those shots. So um, you can't. Uh, Smart only took two very tight contested threes all of last season. Uh, he took 37 uh, tight threes, which means the defender was two to four feet away, did not shoot well on them. Uh, and then you get into the open range, which is four to six feet. And he took the majority of his three point shots came from there. Uh, and then he also took a lot of wide open ones. He actually took more wide open threes than uh, open threes. So you could say Smart's got a lot better at shot selection because I can go into years past and I'll, I'll look at some years past stats while you continue your argument. Well, that that's kind of the point too. Like people are complaining like they don't want him to play point card because they don't trust him to you know make the right play. I feel like Marcus makes the right play a lot of the time. Yeah, sure, there are signs where it, signs plays where he makes not the best shot selection because he wants to shoot a three, but I mean, he's still probably open. Like he, he's probably going to find the open guy, whether it's somebody else or him. Okay. Making the three is a different question, but I think, I think he's going to have a really good opportunity to showcase his best skills this season. I think Marcus could average like eight to nine assists, eight, eight to 10 assists this year. He's got the talent around him to do it. You know, yeah, I, I, don't I think, think on top of that, he could do 13 to 15 points too. If he's doing that, that's like Steve Nash MVP numbers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, I have some really good news for you uh, and the green team squad. Um, for the past, I think one, two, three seasons, the past three seasons, Marcus Smart has led the team or been second in wide open three pointers. Um, Pritchard was the leader last year, but uh, before that, in the 2018 19 season, Marcus Smart got 218 open, wide open three pointers. 19, 20, 162. Last season he got uh, 131. So that that right there, honestly, could be a reason why his three point percentage dipped. Uh, and I do think he'll have more open shots this year than he did last year with the talent around him. And I, I think my expectations, uh, if I had to, you know, put numbers on it, 15 and eight is what I I want from Marcus this year. Hey, we're about, we're in crazy. the same ballpark. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. We're in Marcus, the same ballpark. of all people. I think but, ceiling at tennis right. would be wild, but I don't think it's it's not impossible. impossible. I mean, he, he has the guys around him to do it. He's got yeah. he's got Tatum and Brown, who are two elite scorers, even if they have to shot create. He's got Horford, who's a good player. He's got Robert Williams, who's a guaranteed basket if you throw it in the right spot. I and think the only... he has an elite chemistry with 
both of those guys, Horford, yeah. when Horford was here, Marcus and Horford running the pick and roll was lethal. And obviously Robert Williams is easier to run it with than Horford. Yeah. The issue with 10 assists a game is in the past four seasons, only three different players have hit that mark. Uh, and their names are LeBron, LeBron, Harden, and Westbrook, right? And, I mean, you can love Marcus all you want. He's nowhere near the player of any of them. No, he's guys. not. He's but not. He does I said have eight to ten. I think eight's fair. I think the biggest thing with those three guys is that all three of them are the go-to ball handler on each of their teams. I'm not saying Marcus isn't, but he I'm saying been. exactly. Dennis Schroeder's going to get some of those ball handling touches. Jason Tatum's going to get some of those touches. You know, Pitt and Pritchard's even going to get some. Al Horford's even going to get some of the facilitating opportunities. So I don't know, uh, like, who's competing with LeBron for facilitating opportunities? Nobody. Who's competing well, with Hart? Westbrook now. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Westbrook's going to get all, he's going to get really mad, like red in the face. He's not going <laughs> to his triple doubles, man. Brutal. Um, th- that's the only thing I could see interfering with Smart's 10. I think eight is reasonable if he stays as the starting point guard. If he struggles, which I'm not saying he will, and they put Schroeder in that role, it's going to go down. Maybe six or seven is a more reasonable thing. But, which is fine. Um, but I, I yeah. think he's going to be at his best in this role. I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for Smart to showcase that he doesn't mm-hmm. suck to these people. I also I will say just shoot 36% from three. That's 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 my real goal for him, right? That, that's all I want. I don't – like not 40. I'm not crazy. 33 is not going to cut anymore though. I want 36. Like I think that's fair. I want 36 from Smart. I think he was down last year because he had to take more shots that weren't necessarily shots he would take if he was in this year's role, if that makes sense. Like he had to – he, he was relied more for scoring last season than he should be. Yeah. No, I, I see that. I'm curious to see if he took uh, more shots than he has in past years uh, last year. I think he's got sufficient scoring around. Oh, the Celtics have sufficient scoring now that he doesn't have to be relied on for that. Yeah, he took – how many shots a game last year did he take last? Uh, he took 10.6. He lot. actually took more shots per game, more shots per game in 1920, which is crazy to me. Took 11.4. I bet it dips down in 1819, though. Yeah, in 1819, he took 7.1. So in the past two years, because of injuries and stuff, he's had to take a huge role in the shooting department. But I think this year you could see him cut it back down to eight or nine, uh, maybe even 10 shots a game, which if they're smarter shots, I'm not going to complain about, but no pun intended. Uh, anyways, we'll move on to the last two. We'll start with Jalen and with Tatum. Uh, what are your expectations for Jalen Brown this season, Sam? I don't think a floor is very fair for Jalen. I mean, the floor is I mean, he just stays the same. That's what I was going to say. The floor is the same. <laughs> um, I think Jalen Brown is somebody that has improved every single season of his career. I think it sucks. He got hurt at the end of last season. It might have might have hindered the way he can train in the offseason. Probably not. He finds a way. Uh, ceiling, let's get crazy. He could probably sneak onto an all-NBA team depending on how, how well the Celtics do, I think. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's probably that's probably it. I think you could average with Tatum. They could each probably score twenty five plus. That yeah, ideally, that's, that's how it should work. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. maybe I not. Like, I don't know. Maybe you sprinkle some of those points to some role players, like you know, you know, two to Richardson, two to Marcus, two mm-hmm. to Schroeder, whatever. Um, I will say. So I, I don't think you're gonna like this very much, but I'm gonna say it because it is what I think. I'm I don't. Say it. <laughs> I don't know if Brown is a lock for the All Star game. And that's well, not because it, that's fair. It's not a knock on him. It's it's there's a first of all, there's a lot of a talent. Tough spot in the league where you've got a lot of young players that are stars. Tatum, Trey Young, just in the East, to name a few. Right. Like these guys are up and coming players. 
you know, people think Zach Levine is good. Uh, who else? Guys, I do have him. I have Levine as an All Star next year. I, have, yeah, I, so I tweeted you, out my predictions. And he has an opportunity to prove himself this year. They have a better team in Chicago, so who knows? Maybe exactly. I'm but <laughs> I, I think Brown being a secondary, well, the second option, I should say. You don't see a lot of second options make the All Star game unless it's like. The Nets, where Durant and Harden are on the <laughs> same team. I mean, there are yeah. years where there's four guys from the same team. Celtics have done it. Atlanta did it. Like, 14-15, I think, was the year when they were dominant. And it was Teague, Corver, uh, Horford, and Millsap. And yep. then you had Damari Carroll, who didn't make it. <laughs> um, yeah. Deservedly so. I mean, where is he now? <laughs> What's he after that? But, yeah. I mean, it, it's not easy for guys on the same team to make it. Usually the All-Stars are the guys that are the star of the team. All-Stars, that's how it works. 15 spots each conference, I think it is. Or, no, it's only 12. So there's not even oh, one for every yeah. team. So, I don't know. All-Star, All-Star selections are weird for me. But I, I think he deserved it last season. He had a crazy start to the season. He was dominant. Might have been the best player yeah. in the Celtics. Tatum really was the one on the fringe for me, but his name got him in as a lock, I should say. <laughs> I mean, he he definitely um, to in, but go ahead. He started, too. He did start the All-Star game last year. Uh, I think Jalen Brown, like you said, 25. I think that's the goal. Him and Tatum both 25. Uh, maybe Tatum even higher, but we'll get to that. Um, I wanted to see him develop as a playmaker. I think he always improves in one area. If there's an area I could you know, pick. I think if he can develop as a playmaker, there's no stopping him, right? He, he can just do everything. Uh, elite defender. I want to see him make an all NBA team. I brought this up. I didn't bring this up for smart, but I wanted to, I want to see smart back on all NBA first team defense. Yeah, that's a good one. That, I, that's, I think, that's a good one. I think getting hurt, uh, hurt him. Jesus Christ. us with the puns today, huh? Getting hurt, hurt Marcus last year. Physically. Yes, of course. Uh, but he missed games, which never helps. A selection but it also you know hurt his physical abilities to play defense yes yeah i feel um but yeah 25 for brown maybe all defensive second team would be a good uh you know goal for him as well uh improve as a passer shows up on one of those teams oh yeah keep up the efficiency great efficient score i want to see him continue that um last one before we wrap up jason tatum what are your expectations for tatum this year crazy ceiling for tatum he could win an mvp depending on how well the celtics say. play I mean, he's primed for it. He's the guy. He's the face of the franchise. He's been an all-star twice now. He's somebody. He made All-NBA two years in a row. Or did he get snubbed last year? No, he made it this year, too. He made two it. Two years in a row. Two years in a row he's made All-NBA. He's definitely capable of doing it. But the Celtics, Wait, did he? I think there was controversy over it. I don't remember if he did or not. No, I think, no, he, I think he did. But somebody else got snubbed that shouldn't have got snubbed. Like, it was weird. No, Tatum it, got snubbed. Yeah, Tatum got snubbed. He did not make it. He didn't make it. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, Paul Paul it, George made it over. It's ridiculous. But uh, oh, Le- LeBron made the team. That, that was the thing that was ridiculous because he didn't play, play any freaking games. Any game. Yeah. A- anybody yeah, else anyways. missing games hurts him. Lou, we just said it with Marcus. Not that he would have made it without it because you could see yeah. whatever. No, yeah, the injury I, hurt I, definitely I, made it hard for him to play defense. But yeah, okay, he's been a top. 15-ish player in the league for two years now, probably. He transcended into that in the the 19-20 season, but he ended up there. He is primed for an MVP run. Celtics haven't had an MVP since Bird. It would be sure nice to get one. If they overachieve, which is possible, especially 
with expectations people have for this team, which are extremely low everywhere but here. And say they contend, like go, hmm, they could they could sneak up to first in the East, record wise, depending on load management for everybody. Listen, it's a regular season tag. I'm not saying they're going to win the East. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they could they could make a run at like a, a at least a top seed, top one, two, like that area. He could he could get it depending on his numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 25 is the floor. Maybe that's harsh, but I think 25 is the floor. I think he could average 30. I don't think there's any reason Tatum couldn't average 30 next season. I think he could lead the league in, lead the league in scoring. I mean, he's dropping 60 bombs uh, last year. There's no reason yeah. he can't drop 50s and 60s this year. You know I mean, what I 60s want to know? obviously ridiculous, but this is a pain in the ass to look up, and you don't have to look it up if you don't want to. I wonder when I the last you. team, not this is these are not playoffs numbers, regular season numbers, had somebody average. 30 points a game on their team. Because I feel like if your team is not... Like the last team to have someone average 30? To this win year, people average, title. Oh, oh, I can't... I mean, that's fairly easy. I can just backtrack uh, year I, by year. I just don't... Stats, I don't but. think... If you're a championship team in the NBA, especially now... Well, now it's different because there's more, more points per game overall. But... Yeah. Championship teams are not a team that's going to have one guy. Like, they're not a one-man show. That's not how it works. Um, 2016 was close. Curry averaged 30 in the regular season, but they blew it. They didn't win. <laughs> they blew it, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm going back year by year really quick. Uh, OKC, Kevin Durant did not win. It, I understand what you mean, the notion. Like, you should probably have a more well-rounded team uh, if you do want to win a championship. Which is not a knock on Tatum. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... If the Celtics are playing well, then he shouldn't have to average 30. Yeah. No, I, I understand, but I do think it could. I think him averaging 30 is a bad thing. It, it's worse. See, I disagree. Overall, you think it's good for him? If he's averaging 30, that means the team's not playing well. That's what I think. Uh, I don't think so, because I think if the team is playing well, he's the number one option. And I don't th- I think true. him and Brown are going to carry the load on offense to the point where they could average 25 and 30. I guess it's a bit extreme because, I mean, they, they probably won't win a title this year. It's just not not in the cards. There's just too many other teams that are better. But or there are a few teams that are significantly better, I think. I'm not sure there's a lot of teams better, but there are some that are significantly better. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. But I, I don't think having guys average. Like, I just don't think it correlates. Like, people were talking about Beal, like how incredible it was, like, he's playing with nobody. Like, of course, he's going to score 30 points a game. Like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> Levine scores a lot of points. Like, yeah, like, the teams, like, aren't any good he's on. So, like, he's the main scorer. He's taking a lot of shots. Of course, he's going to score. I don't know. I don't know if that's how the Celtics run. But, I mean, good for him if he does, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking, by the way, for your answer to when is the if last If you didn't time find it already, you're not going to find it. I'm telling you right now. Unless it's, like, I'm, I'm getting unless back there. somebody in, like, the 70s, like, Wilt. Like Shaq early... was very close, I think. Who won in 2000? The Lakers won in 2000, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Uh, Shaq averaged 29.7. So, I mean, that, that's that's pretty close uh, for you there. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably your answer. Jordan might have averaged 30 at you one You can point. round up. You can stop looking. Yeah, I, I think Jordan. I think Jordan averaged 30. I think Jordan is the last one. Um, and he's the best player of all time. 
from a lot of people. So Kobe was also very close, and so was um, Dwayne Wade with the Heat, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Jordan was the only one. In 95, okay. yeah, he averaged 30, and they won a championship. They didn't win in 95. They didn't win in 1995? Nope. 94-95, Houston won. Houston won in 93-94, 94-95. They went back-to-back. Jordan went to play baseball after 93, didn't play 94 at all, came back in the 95, like, build up to the playoffs. And then they lost. Oh, you're so right. He did it in 96, sorry. He averaged 30.4 in the 95-96 season, I think is what Right. In 95-96. Which is literally up until 2016, the best (laughs) record of all time in the regular season. Actually, Jordan did it four times. As as a champion? Yeah, Jordan averaged 30-96. He averaged 32.6 in 93, 30.1 in 92, and 31.5 uh, in 91. And then he also averaged, wow, Jordan averaged 31, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 times and won a championship five, four of them. So. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. It's a, it's a crazy but, uh, stat. Look at that. I nailed it on the head. Mm-hmm. Told you it wasn't common. It's just not how it works, not how the game works. Not. Curry was close, uh, but he blew it. And yeah, that's about it. But yeah. Um, I think I don't think Tatum averaging thirty would be a bad thing. I think twenty eight might be more of the sweet spot for you if they want to be a great team. But uh, I think yeah, he could average thirty. Um. Anyways, that's all I had. That's all the expectations. Took a little bit longer than I expected, right. but uh, we haven't put out a pod yeah. since last weekend, so it's fine. Enjoy the listen, people. In about a week. Uh, see this on YouTube. I'm telling you now, if you made it this far, I'm going to make the Marcus Smart clip a YouTube video because that was egregious, and I don't think he'll be an All Star, but it's gonna be a great title. Um, uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to bring up before we wrap here? No, n- nothing in particular. I'm excited. Uh, we got basketball next month. Fans back in the buildings, right? Full house. Yeah. It looks like they're getting Should rid be. of those stupid freaking. You know what I hated is they had those the tarps over the seats on the yeah. TV side, and it made it look like there wasn't anybody in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, even when fun. it was, like, a full house except for, like, that area, the, the seats you would see on TV – you would not see anybody. Like, it looks empty. So I'm excited for that. Benches are going back to normal, which is cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm happy because I, I was hoping they wouldn't do that. Because I didn't like the way it looked. Um, Celtics, 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 right? I think that I'm excited to see if they surprise anybody. Hopefully they don't surprise I'm me. I, I think they're going to be decent. <laughs> I'm super excited. If they're surprising yeah, they me, then it's, it's either, like, <laughs> unbelievably good or it's not good. Yeah. I got you. But, uh, yeah, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, it's Ben from the Raptors. Uh, you guys can follow me at Jackson NBA. Follow us at Bannertown USA. And go ahead, Sam. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, watching, whatever you're doing to get this content today. Right? Uh, make sure you follow Jack at Jackson NBA. He's putting out all kinds of stuff, even if you like things more than the Celtics. He's got Miami he writes about, Charlotte. Um, I'm not missing one. No, no, you're good. I'm not you missing one. You got but it. If you uh, have any interest in those teams, maybe you like Duncan Robinson, like we seem to, because we always <laughs> talk about him. Uh, you can read about him there. Uh, follow Bannertown at Bannertown USA. We got the season coming up. Pre-game shows will be back, so follow Guy Boston. You can see us there. We'll retweet him anyways. But, yeah, you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. That's our show for today. Bye.